Well, good morning. Hey, my name is John. I'm a pastor on staff here. Uh, pastor Bob is in Orlando with his wife for her birthday. But listen, you guys sad about that? That's all right. It's good. He'll be back. He'll be back. But listen, I'm excited because in a couple weeks, I am going to Las Vegas. That's right. Second home of Elvis Presley. I heard he's been sighted there recently. I'm excited and I'm going there, and we're going there because it's Carolina's 30th birthday. That's my wife. That's right. Yeah, you can clap for her. And I, was, I said to her, you know, what do you want to do for your 30th birthday? And she's like, oh, it's a special birthday. I hear a lot of people go to Las Vegas, and I'd love to go to Las Vegas. So we said, all right, let's do it. It's a special birthday, right? And there are like a lot of special birthdays in life. You know, there's uh, 13, you become a teenager. 15, what's that? Say that's right. 16 or 17, you get your driver's license. Uh, 21, you get to drink alcohol and it's legal this time. And uh, there's so many special birthdays. There's the birthdays that ends in fives usually and zeros. And those are like huge things. But I have this theory. I have this theory that every single person has one special birthday that's bigger than all the rest. It's that birthday that everybody freaks out about. My uncle, uh, he turned... 50 and 50 was his day it was a couple years before 50 even came he'd be like 48 and i'm like hey happy birthday 48 yeah but you know john in two years i'll be 50 you know it's like and every time i talked to him about something he'd be like well you know in a year i'm going to be 50 and a half in two months i'll be 50 it was like this was like this huge birthday for him it just built up you know and then it was calm after that i had another friend in college and it it could be any day it could be any year and at 25, that was his thing. Same deal. He was just freaking out. I'm 25. Maybe it has to do with quarter of a century. I don't know. But I'm convinced that every single person has a one birthday where they just freak out. And I, and I think that's because you wake up one day and you're like, by this certain birthday, you imagined you were going to be doing something. Like you cured cancer or I don't know what you did. But you're thinking, I should have been maybe farther along. And we just kind of wake up and we're like, wow. I didn't make life happen. Life just kind of happened to me. You know, and I think because it depends on the type of perspective sometimes that we have. Um, do you have like a here and now mentality? Maybe you're like sitting here and the only thing that's on your mind is where you're going to go eat lunch. Right. Or like when's how long is this going to take right now? Or maybe you might even be thinking as far as next weekend. You know, Sunday's almost over. You got to start preparing. Right. And. I'm kind of like that. That's the way I am. But I do know this thing. I, I believe I know how long I'm going to live till. Does anyone know the date, how long they're going to live till? Anybody? How long? No date? Anybody? 50 years, 80 years, 100 years? Nobody wants to play? Okay, what? Forever. All right. All right. I think I'm, here's the thing. I think, now, and I thought this since I was a little kid. I'm going to share this with you, and I want it to stay in this room. I think I'm going to live to be 140 years old. That's right. Now, I know the oldest ones make it to about 120, but I really think I can do it. I think I can make it to 140. And I say that a little kiddingly, but I actually believe I can. I believe I'm going to live that long. Here's the thing, though. If I'm going to live to be 140, I mean, I really have to think about how I live my life a little bit, right? i got to plan for that. i got to make sure that... Uh, I have some uh, retirement, maybe that I have the right person to share it with, 
maybe that I have uh, my health. I have to make sure I stay in good health. All these things are important. And I think there are a lot of people out there who are better planners than me. You know, they've already planned their life. They already have their, uh, their children's college funds set aside. They have it scheduled that their mortgages will be paid off. They have it ready for their whole retirement is set in like three different 401k plans, or I don't even know what those are. I think I need, now that I'm married, I need to get one. But uh, a lot of us are looking and we're planning in relationship to our life, where, where we're going to be. But Ricky was kind of onto something because I want to challenge you today not to think about how far planning our lives in regard to how long we're going to live, but I want to challenge you to plan your life in relationship to eternity. Now, eternity is like, wow, that's a, that's a big word. That's, that's pretty long. But the truth is, each of us is going to live in eternity. You know, God, when he created you, he gave you a body that is not going to create, live in eternity, but your soul is going to live forever. Listen to what it says in the Bible. It says, God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted e- eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. He put it in your heart because you're going to live in eternity. Have you ever really thought about that for a minute? You're going to live on and on and on. I mean, to be honest, I have a hard time thinking about that something existed from eternity past. You know, when you're sitting in here, you may say, well, the Big Bang Theory happened. It was just mass out there. It's just material. Then that existed forever? Or even if you say, well, God, he existed forever? It seems so hard to believe. It seems so hard to believe that they're going to live on past that. And eternity, I think, sometimes is a very difficult thing to grasp. So what I'm going to do is try to help us understand that and get a grip on it for a moment. I may need an usher's help here, but I'm going to take this here and I'm going to try to uh, throw this out there. Is anyone there? All right. See. That go far? Oh, man, I almost hit the guys out there in that thing. I should have played baseball. All right, let's see. Who's got it? Whoever's got it, hold it tight. Pull it tight. Hold the end and hold it tight. Can someone hold that end? No, nobody's holding it. I think I got something here. That's big. Okay, good. Can you guys see that line? Can you see that? All right, I want you to imagine just for a minute that this is eternity. This line is just this timeline that goes on and on forever. Now, if you could see better than me, maybe you could see a speck of dust floating in the air right now. And if a speck of dust just landed on that line... That would be our existence, right? Our existence is that tiny little dot, that tiny little line. And here's the deal. There's so much more eternity than there is to our speck of dust, isn't there? There's so much more going on than the world that we live in right now. Listen to this. God says, start thinking about that. See how small your life is. It says... Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is my life. Listen, there's so much more eternity than the little bit of our lives. And if most of our life is going to be spent or most of our time is actually spent in eternity, I guess the question is, how can we live our lives in a way that makes a difference in eternity? Listen, another verse in the Bible says, Uh, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. 
If the, workers, the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. When you step out of this world, out of the speck, and you step into eternity, God says, I'm going to pile up all the stuff that you did. Everything that you were involved in, I'm going to make this huge pile, and then we're going to set this bonfire, boom, right? And the thing goes up. And like all this stuff that maybe we were investing in, all the stuff that we were doing might disappear. And yet there is going to be some stuff there that's worthy, that's the gold, the silver that can't burn. There's some things that we did. So God is saying, listen, in your little speck, there's a lot of things you're doing that you're just wasting time. You're just wasting. Listen, God is also saying, though, there's some things that are going to burn up, but there are those things that are going to last. And I guess the question today is, what are those things that we can do that are going to make a difference in eternity? Because from one point in this line, if we do that, we can see it affects all of eternity. And see, God is saying there are some things, there are a couple of things, there are things that you can do that are going to change, that are going to affect your eternity. Listen, but it's going to take an eternal perspective. This is the memory verse for this weekend. It says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. We have to keep one eye on eternity and one eye on the things that are happening. So if this is true, I want to give you guys some practical ways how we can affect eternity. And in your outline, the first thing is, make God my most important relationship. Make God my most important relationship. You see, God created this world. He created everything we know, everything in it, everything outside of it. The Bible says, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he's the most important being in this universe, in eternity. He is the most important thing. You know, it's interesting, but in the history of our world, we haven't found any ancient civilization that were atheists. No, they don't exist anywhere. Anytime we find something, they believed in something greater. For some reason, they worshipped something. They had gods. They sensed there was something on the other side. You see, they believed that there was something more than just the here and now. It's just inside of us. It's created in us. That's what the Bible says. It says, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world is invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. The Washington Post in June of 2008 reported this, that 92% of Americans believed in God or a higher power. That's like almost 100%. They almost all believe that there is something else out there. So from a big picture point of view, if we believe that there's something out there, then wouldn't it make sense that we would try to get to know that, to learn more about it? If that's the biggest thing, is greater than us. Listen, the one who created you is the one you're going to spend eternity with. For the rest of eternity, you're going to spend with God. When... Uh, I, I challenged Carolina the other day. See, I have this, like, what I call my hero's ability. And I probably I may have told you about this before. But I have this uncanny ability to do a jigsaw puzzle. I can pick any puzzle piece and place it where it needs to go. 
It's true. I know you're all looking at me like you don't believe me. So I challenged Carolina and I said, let's do, I tell you, I can do these things. I can do them really well. So we got this, this puzzle and we started putting it all together and I said, well, you do the portion that you want to do. And so she starts, I'll take the edges, right? The edges are easy, right? So I go, okay, go ahead, do the edges. And we separated it out and she had her system for laying out a puzzle, which really wasn't mine, but we went along with it anyway. I don't want to start any fights. So, we laid it all out. She's putting hers together. And I start putting pieces together. And she's like, would you stop it? You're going too fast. I want to do it too. And I'm like, you are. You got the easiest part. And she's like, come on. You're doing the rest. And I said, well, give me all the blue then. Just give me the blue. I'll work on the no thing, you know. And the thing is, though, what helps me put together a puzzle is when I look at the box and I see the complete picture. Because when I see the complete picture, I'm like, oh, okay, I know about where this one goes. So I see the color. I see what's going on here. And I know where to put it. And that's the thing it is with drawing close to in our relationship with God. If we can see the big picture, if we can draw close to Him, then everything in our life suddenly seems to come into focus, Some, so suddenly seems to come into perspective. And so drawing close to God is probably one of the most, it is the most important thing that we can do. And here's some, just some practical things that you can do to make God number one in your life. Pray. Communicate with God. Tell Him the things that are going on in your life. And then read the Bible. You know? He's going to talk back to you through that. Go to church. Sometimes we think that going to church is for God. It's not for God, it's for us. Jesus himself said the Sabbath, uh, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. It's for our benefit. When we come to church, we're growing, we're moving closer and closer to him. You know, and living a lifestyle that draws us closer to him, not far away, is a key component to that. There's some things in our lives that we just have to kind of Move aside so that we can draw close to him. Because I know as much as everyone here knows that when we're living a lifestyle that's not honoring to God, oh man, I feel so far away from him. And I don't want to go speak with him. And I don't want to pray to him. And I don't want to do these things because I feel separated. So what we can do is draw closer to him. It's like any other relationship. We need to work on it with our God. Listen, I'm so excited recently because many of you have taken the New Testament challenge. You've joined a small group and you started reading Man, and people started reading the Bible for different reasons. Some of you just wanted to grow a little closer. Some of you have never read it before, and you're like, man, I, I think I should read it. And others said, you know what? I don't know if I even believe about God. In God, I'm just going to try and see what this has to say. And I think that's awesome. I'm so proud of every single person who's done that. Because you're saying one of the priorities, one of the most important things to me is to find out about this God who created this universe. Listen, if you guys haven't had the chance to do it, maybe you said, man, for some reason I was unable to, could you reach and pull out your connection card for a moment? Just for a moment. This won't be difficult nor painful. Go ahead, pull it out. On there you'll see, read the New Testament. If you haven't joined it and you're not a part of it and you want to be, just check that off and here's what we're going to do. We're going to send you the reading plan so that you can complete and read the Bible in 90 days. We'll just send that through the email. That's all it is. So you check that off and we're going to do that. But listen, we make God um, the most important relationship, but we also need to invest in people over things. Invest in people over things. You guys know what the seven wonders of the world are, of the ancient world? Anybody hear about those? Probably not, because most of them are gone. Listen, I'm going to read a few of them. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the Temple of Artemis, the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, the Mausoleum of the Masalua something, the Colossus of Rhodes, the Lighthouse of Alexandria, the Great Pyramid of Giza. All of them are gone except for the Great Pyramid of Giza. The Colossus of Rhodes was so big, 
He was so huge. He had one foot on one side of the harbor, one foot on the other. And the ships that would come into the harbor sailed through his leg to get to the port. That's how big the statue was. That thing was destroyed in one day by an earthquake. I'm thinking, these are the seven ancient wonders. Not the seven seven ancient minuscule things that man could do. It's the wonders. These are like the best things that God could do. Man, excuse me, could do. The best things that man could do, and most of them are gone. You see, everything that we do is eventually going to disappear. Listen, you also can't take it with you. I have a a picture, I think, of King Tut's tomb. We may visit this because that's at the Luxor right there. And look at all the stuff that he was buried with. You know, there's a boat somewhere It's back here in the picture. He's got like jewels and he's got clothing and he's got weaponry and he's got all sorts of stuff because they believed that in the afterlife they were going to be able to take that stuff with them and they may need these things. They even buried like people. They put a slave in there. Man, I'd hate to be like a slave or sometimes maybe a wife because they're like, hey, I want her to come with me. You know, and they're like, hey, wait a minute. I had a plan. So... These guys buried it because they believed it was going to go with them. But you know what? You know why this picture stands here today? Because none of it went with them. You can't take any of the things with you. Listen, when you die, it says this. When the tent we live in, oh, there's only, you won't even take your, your body, excuse me. You won't even take your body with you, as we said earlier. This is what it says. When the tent we live in, our body here on earth is torn down, it's going to be gone. God will have a house in heaven for us to live in, a home he himself has made, which will last forever. So the good, bad news, well, maybe it's good news, body gone, but you get a new one. So that's good, right? A lot of us are like, yes, I'm waiting for that day. But everything else is just going to disappear. You know, and everything that we've been doing will also be left undone. You ever think about that? The moment you stop breathing, that wall that you were going to paint at your house won't get finished. The house that you were trying to pay off is not going to get paid off. That thing that you were saving up for will never be bought. That credit card debt that you have will never be paid off. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. The return on your investment that you've been saving up for, that you've been putting money into, will never be realized by you. You know something, too? Even kings stop becoming kings. They're not a king anymore. Everything that we've had is done. It stops. You see, there's only a few things that will matter. Man, Solomon, the wisest guy in the earth, was frustrated by the fact that he couldn't take anything and everything that he did was going to stop or end. Listen to what he says. And I hated everything I'd accomplished and accumulated on this earth. I can't take it with me. No, I have to leave it to whoever comes after me. Whether they're worthy or worthless, who's to tell? They'll take over the earthly results of my intense thinking and hard work. How meaningless. Man, how meaningless. I do all this work and when I die, who knows if my inheritance, they're going to spend it all in one day. If they're going to save it and use it wisely, I don't even know. Who knows what's going to happen to my house? Could be hit by a hurricane next week. Or next year, excuse me. I think we're over. We're out of the, I think we're out. But listen, the thing that's going to matter is people. That's the only thing, your influence that you left on people that are behind you is the only thing that's going to travel on when you go. You know, and because of that, we're going to have to live our lives through them in some ways. 
We have to teach them things, the things that they've learned from you, how they saw you act, what you've instructed them to do. All these things are the things that you're going to leave. It's like when two cars collide, you know, you have a bumper, fender bender, a little paint is left on one and a little paint from the other is left on the other. It's when we come in contact, when we make effort that these things are a little bit rubbed off. It takes sacrifice and focus not on ourselves. You know, when they asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment, he said, to love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your might. And the other one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. One, the higher relationship is greater than us, but then the other one, everybody on my plane. And the thing is, most of the time, I have to be honest, I'm not thinking about everybody else like me. I'm caught in my own world, and I walk around. Sometimes you walk right by someone, you don't even notice them, you know? And sometimes I have to catch myself because it takes an effort to think outside of who we are, to think of someone else. You know, we can't expect to leave a legacy if when we come home and our family is only getting the leftovers of our day. If we're not investing in our children and teaching them and making it a point, God's entrusted those children to you. If we are doing those things in our lives, if we are making sure they're going to Sunday school, if we are making sure they're going to regular school, if we are passing on to them the things we've learned about God and the things, the life lessons that we've learned, then we're missing one of the greatest opportunities to leave something for eternity. Listen, I, I, I uh, there was a, the, super, the uh, vice principal in our school, vice principal at least where I went, he took care of all the disciplinary actions in our school. I guess he died recently. And so a few people from school started an email. This was just a week ago. Not last week, the week before I got these emails. And this change has started. The first one said, some of you may already know, but I have some very sad news. Mr. Bombard passed away on October 26th. Take a minute and remember Mr. Bombard's wonderful ways. Always encouraging us to be ourselves, to be the best. I always remember him for when he wasn't so pleased with things. Oh, excuse me. I always remember him for saving me on numerous occasions. Dancing me to class and turning red in the face when he wasn't so pleased with things. He truly cared about every kid in Tantasqua High School. I think I was one of the funniest people. He was one of the funniest people I've had the pleasure of knowing. I have thought of him so often over the years, and he'll be in my heart forever. And then she quoted what he'd always say when the class bell rings. Okay, people, let's move. Let's get a move on. Get to class and have a good day. Someone else replied, says, just thinking of him makes me smile. I'm positive he had an impact on every single one of us. Someone else says, if and when you had needed to talk with him, he would hear or listen, listen to you. And then he would ask, where was your head? <laughs> he was a fair man and a good teacher. Another person said, we all respected him in high school, and I've always dreaded the day I lied to him regarding a certain crowbar versus locker incident. I, I've almost forgotten the principal's name and face. But I'll never forget Mr. Bombard. There's a way of going about our world and working in our lives and having an effect on other people. There was so many more things that were written about this man. And we haven't been in school for over 20 years. And his name is still remembered fondly. Listen, invest in people over things, but also use my time wisely. The Bible tells us to redeem the time. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. At my house, as you know, I've been married for about two months. And thank you. 
the sixth was our anniversary. Carolina wanted to have a bed when we got back because I don't think she liked my bed. And uh, so we picked out a bed and we had it ready. And uh, so I think we have a picture of it here. So she got it all. She says, like, when we return, I want to have a nice bed. It's a nice king size bed. And you can see there's like this Euro sham thing and there's like this. There's whatever, what is that thing called again? A, a throw or something. And when, on our honeymoon, we, uh, we learned how to fold towels, so we fold them once in a while on the, you know, when you come into your honeymoon suite. So, uh, like all this stuff is on the bed. But this is the interesting thing about this bed. We don't use any of this stuff. Like every night I come home and I'm like, it looks beautiful. All right, pull this, we're pulling the other. We're pulling all these pillows and stuff off. We're pulling the comforter off. Look at what we actually sleep in. I think we got the next one. Look at that. Two little pillows. And we got this whole stack of stuff right here. I'm like, I'm like we take every day. We spend time taking this off and putting this here. And then in the morning we get up and we put this back. And it's, look, at if you'll notice, it's conveniently located in front of my bureau. So when I need to get my clothes in the morning, that's what's in the way. So... Well, listen, this is what, kind of what we do with our lives sometimes, right? We have these great things, and there's nothing wrong with pillows and stuff like that, but, like, have you ever thought about how much time you're spending really doing things that don't matter? Because the thing that matters when I sleep are those two pillows. And those are the things I'm concerned about. <laughs> and yet I have, we do that, and that's what we do in our lives, right? We take things, all, all, all the time we do things that really don't make a difference. I mean, how many times do you have to watch the 30-minute infomercial on the Magic Bullet when you already have three of them, right? And we're like, yeah, but I love this part. I like when they make the salsa, and then they look at you can microwave in it too, you know? And it's like, we'll watch that thing over and over again, and yet is, it, we, is that the best use of my time? You know, sometimes I know we all need a rest. We need a break. But listen, I didn't put this in your outline, but I want you to write this down. I want to give you three ways that you can maximize your time. Three ways to maximize your time. One, have a plan. Have a plan. You know, lack of planning causes a lot of issues. Saturday morning, Carolina and when I woke up and we're like, you know, sometimes she cooks breakfast, whatever. We didn't have a plan. So what do you want for breakfast? I don't know. What do you want for breakfast? I don't know. What do you want for breakfast? It was like 11 o'clock. We're like starving. I'm gnawing on her arm and I'm like, let us eat something. And we're like, because neither of us decided to plan what we we're going to have that morning. We just kind of ended up wasting that time. We did eat. I want you to know we did eat. But listen, the second thing is make priorities. Make priorities. Listen, when you go, to the, when you go get a massage, if you go get a massage, right, it's, they're hourly, right? You don't go to the, the, the masseuse or whatever you call them, the masseur, masseuse. You don't say to them, you know, hey, let's chat 15 minutes about your life, right? You're not like doing small talk. No, you're like, you're throwing yourself on the table and you're like, start tenderizing me like a steak. Come on, let's go, let's go. Because you have an hour and you say, this is the priority in that time. I need to be doing in that time what needs to get done. But number three, get organized. Get organized. You know, who here has spent time looking for lost keys? Right? You get up and you're trying to get your car and you're like, I can't get it. I need to get to work. And it always happens, you know, it always happens when you're already late, doesn't it? It can't ever happen when you're 30 minutes early. No. It happens to happen when you're late. And you're looking around. You're searching under things. You're tossing up everything. I mean, you're looking in places that you would never think to look in. You're like, three years ago, I think I was in that back closet on the top shelf. I'm going to go look there. And then, here's the thing, though. If we just got a little bit organized, 
It might help. Mark, I'm going to, Mark used to lose his keys quite often. It was kind of a joke around the office. And Mark kind of solved that. He goes, you know what? I put up a thing with key, for keys and I hang them there when I come home and I take them when I leave. And he's like, because I, I got organized, the rest of my life got organized too. And I, did, and I wasted a lot less time. This is what God says in his word. So teach us to number our days that we apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Let's use the time wisely. But also, number four, get involved in something bigger than myself. Get involved in something bigger than myself. Listen, sometimes we just got to take a risk. One of the things that people regret most in life is that they didn't take a risk. You know, I wish I would tried out for the cheerleading squad or the basketball team. I wish I had done this. I wish I had taken the risk. I wish I had done something. And do you ever feel like God doesn't do anything big in your life? Do you ever think about that? You're like, man, God, I've heard these stories. Why aren't you ever doing anything big in my life? Where's the God of the Bible who does amazing feats? Where's the God of the Bible who's working in my life? I think that sometimes. And then I think, you know, have I given God the opportunity? You guys probably know this story. It's about a young shepherd boy named David and Goliath, this giant, nine feet tall. And he goes one day to bring grilled cheese sandwiches to his brothers on the battlefield. You see, there was the Philistines on one side of the valley, and then there was the Israelites on the other side. And it was kind of like, uh, if you've seen Troy, you know, they have those, those fights, you know, and they go, okay, instead of all of us battling, we'll just have our champions battle, and whoever wins that's the winner. So they go, here's our champion, nine feet tall. And nobody, for days, nobody wants to challenge him. David shows up, and he's like, that guy's big, you know? But here's the thing. He realized something, that God is bigger. He was too big for David, but God was bigger. And I think that if David, what would have happened if David said, this opportunity is too big for me? He never would have given God the opportunity to work. You know, many times in life, we don't risk because it's either too big, or you know what? It's going to cost us something. This is what it says in the Bible. Without oxen... A stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. You don't, I don't want to do the work because my stables will get dirty if I keep the ox. You know, but without the ox, you are not going to get the harvest. It's not going to come into your life. And sometimes we're like, well, no, I'm just not going to do it because I don't have time. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. It's going to cost me something. And the Bible says, listen, if you aren't willing to get a little bit dirty, if you aren't willing to do a little bit hard work, then that harvest is going to just remain outside of your reach. You know, sometimes people come up to us and they ask us, you know, can you start this ministry? I think it's really important. I've seen, you know, I know that this is something that's important and we should do it. Why don't you guys do that? And I say, you know what? We are pretty busy, but we would, we'd love to do that. We're looking for someone who would lead it off. If we had someone to do that, then we probably could do it. Would you like to do that? Well, let me get back to you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Listen, this is something I... I'd like you to understand. If it is important enough, if you say it's important enough for someone to do something about it, then it's important enough for you to do something about it. For me. You know, a lot of times we think, man, it took special people, it takes someone better than me, more well-equipped, someone with more faith, someone who's not as bad as sinner to do these things. Listen, that's not true. When I get to heaven, there's so many questions, and I've heard other people ask, say these things. I can't wait to meet this person, right? I can't wait to meet Elijah. Man, I keep thinking of him when he was on top of a mountain with a hundred, facing off against a hundred priests 
to another god called Baal. And he's like, listen, God's going to call down fire. And whoever's God calls down fire on these sacrifices is the real God. And I'm just thinking, Elijah, in that moment when you were praying to God, really, what was going through your head? Did you really think God was going to answer? Or was there some doubt? Were you like, oh, God, I'm praying, but you better make this happen. Do you know? I don't know. I know what I would be. But listen to this. Listen to what it says about Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us. Just like you and me, he was human, he had doubts, insecurities. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Listen, if you want to do great things for God that will echo in eternity, it doesn't take someone great. It doesn't take someone amazing. It just takes someone just like you. You know, what would have happened... If David hadn't shown up. You know, when someone asks you, hey, would you lead a Bible study? Is that an opportunity for God to do something great in your life? When sometimes you hear about an opportunity to serve, is that an opportunity for God to work in your life? I think it is. And so many times I've been afraid. And you know what makes me do it? It's probably the fear that God that I'll miss out on what God's going to do. The things that God, why I'm a pastor, why I even stand here, is because I believe that it's not about me, it's not about my fears, it's not about the things that I think I can or cannot do. But simply, I believe that God is going to work. And if I'm willing to step onto the battlefield, that God's going to show up. And I trust that He does, and He always does. Listen, faith is just another word for risk. It's believing God and answering the call that he is going to do it. That he's going to be able to do something you're not able to do. That he's going to be able to do something great. Just listen to this, what it says in Hebrews. It's called the Hall of Faith. Listen to this. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephna, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Look at these guys had an eternal perspective. They, had, they were thinking about eternity, a better life in eternity, what it was going to do. So they just trusted God and God showed up. They believed that their, ex, their actions were going to echo in eternity. Listen, you won't always exist in the speck. We're not always going to exist in that speck. No, one day we're going to step out into eternity. And here's the question. In light of eternity, how should we live our lives? Listen, my cousin Julie, um, I grew up with her. She lived like a mile down the road for a year in high school. I lived in that house with my uncle and her and my other cousin. And we were like brother and sister. It was, I think, six, just six weeks ago. She went to China. She designed shoes like Keds and for, you know, for Keds and Nike and things like that. She flew to China. She feels a little sick. When she comes home, she goes to see the doctor. The doctor does some blood work. Immediately they say, listen, you have to come right back to the emergency now. Right now. 
she, they found out she has leukemia, an acute case of it. That means it comes on aggressively. And within six weeks, she's already done the treatment. They said, listen, because of the type of genetics that you have, you're going to have to have a blood tre- uh, the bone marrow transplant because it's probably going to come back. The percentages of you of it coming back are extremely high. So all of us are doing the blood testing. We're all getting everything done. And my cousin Marcy, her sister, praise God, has the same, can, can be the one to give her the donor, can be the donor. But here's what happened in that six weeks. Now, maybe you guys know my story a little bit or some of the parts of my story. And I, I, maybe I've told you that her and her father got into a dispute one time about four or five years ago. And for four years, at least four years, they have not spoken. They haven't spoken. Now, here's this moment where they're about to step out of eternity, out of this speck and into eternity, and suddenly everything changes. What was so big of a deal before suddenly is not that big because there are more important things in life. My cousin Marcy sat down with my uncle and she said, listen, do you want to speak with her? And he started saying some stuff. Listen, do you want to speak with her? He says, yes, I want to speak with her. And they got back together. And they didn't talk one thing about the thing in the past. I'm sure one day they will. But they, he went there and he faithfully visits her. He faithfully talks about her. He faithfully shows her his love. Because when we're about to spe- step out of eternity, suddenly things matter. Suddenly we realize what does matter that really matters in life. And listen, we're not all going to live forever. There's going to come a point in time where we step out. And the question we have to ask ourselves is how are we going to live our lives? Listen, there's a verse in the Bible that says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and and speed its coming. The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. The elements will melt. This earth will not be here. The universe will not be here. In fact, God says he'll recreate it. But all that's going to be gone. Everything that we hold on to will be gone. How should we then live our lives? Listen, I put an exercise in your outline if you'll pull it out for just a moment. As I've been speaking, maybe there's just some things that popped into your mind and said, you know what, I've got to stop doing this. And something else maybe popped into your mind and you said, you know what, I've been saying I want to do this, I need to start doing this. In the outline, write down in that list the things that I should stop doing, I need to stop doing. If those things came to your mind, write them down right now. If not, take it home and begin to think about what I need to begin stop doing and what are things I need to begin doing that are going to make a difference in eternity. If you ever spent time with somebody on their deathbed, you know, they're not saying I should have spent time more at the office. They're not saying I wish I had, you know, played more golf. They're saying I wish I spent time with my family. I wish I had done some great things. I wish I had spent more time with my God. I wish I had spent more time doing things that really mattered. You know, all of us think we have more time. We all do. And that's why when we hit those, those weird birthdays, our special birthday, that's why we start freaking out. Because we... Evaluate our lives and say, wow, how did this happen to me? How did life just happen to me? How did I get here? But listen, I don't want life to just happen to you and me. So let's keep an eye, one eye on this earth, and one eye on eternity. Let's pray.
Lord, we want to thank you, God, that sometimes you just give us these reminders. That, Lord, that my car, my house, some of these things that I have here on earth are not everything. They're not the whole world. But, Lord, there's some things that are just more important. Lord, we're so grateful to you that you're our God. Lord, I'm grateful that you've made us people who are going to live in eternity. Lord, I'm grateful that you loved us that much to want to be with us. Lord, we thank you. I pray here for everyone here today that as they go out through their week, that, Lord, you might just remind them of this message, that they might be looking at that list and saying, hey, this is the thing I need to drop. And I pray, Lord, give them the strength to drop it. And, Lord, I pray for the thing they say I need to do. I pray you give them the courage to start it. Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Thanks for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen.